Today's scripture reading is found in 2 Peter 3, 11 through 18. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in its heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in, the, in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which are ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Trinity Church. So good to see you here this morning. Those of you that are joining us online, thank you for tuning in and, and connecting here at home. That whenever we sing that Revelation song, I mean, it just almost overwhelms me because it just reminds me as Revelation describes that one day we're going to be in heaven with billions who have followed Christ and all joining our voices to say together, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy. All that will be our song together. So this is just kind of like a little bit of rehearsal, what we're doing here now for what will be the greatest performance ever when we proclaim that and sing that to the lamb himself in heaven one day. And our passage this morning doesn't talk about that exactly, but it is about Christ's return and looking ahead to that. So excited to jump into this passage today. Let me just say too, we, we, uh, we prayed about this in our time together. We always have a prayer time before the services in the morning, those of us that are involved in the service. And uh, we were praying, especially this morning, to God just kind of led our prayer to praying that we would have thankful hearts. You know, I, and I think maybe, yeah, it is Thanksgiving week coming up, but so it's almost expected. But maybe this year it's a little bit harder because maybe your plans have changed or somebody's sick or there, there are issues going on and things crazy in our world. Maybe all that has got you complaining or discouraged or upset about something. That's easy to happen and it happens to all of us. So maybe especially this year we need the reminder that thanksgiving covers all that. And we need this week, maybe more than ever, to just come back to what God has done for us, who He is, all that we have to be thankful for. We need that reminder this year especially. So let's do that as we enter into this Thanksgiving period and as we enter into God's Word this morning. So let's pray. 
Lord God, we thank you for this time. We truly thank you that we have this privilege. As we've already prayed this morning about Christians who are persecuted or in other places in the world that don't have this privilege to do what we're doing right now. And so we thank you that we can lift up your praises out loud. We can carry your word and read it and study it together. Lord, we are thankful that you are in our midst. We're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for the hope of heaven. Thankful that you are the lion and the lamb, the cornerstone, the one who is worthy of all our praise. For all this, Lord, we are so grateful. And we come now this morning grateful for your word, too, that you have given us this revelation of who you are and of what you've done and what you are planning yet to do. And so, Lord, with that, we come to your word eager and ready to hear from you. And I ask, Lord, that you would guard my words, help me to accurately, rightly communicate what you once said this morning, knowing as always it must be the power of your living word and the power of your spirit at work in us to teach us and comfort us and, and call us to obedience. So we submit ourselves to you this morning as we come to your holy word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. It was probably the worst flight of my life. I mean, no doubt about it. It was the worst. It was about 20 years ago. I was flying from here in Atlanta to Buffalo, New York. And they loaded us on the plane. Everything was going fine. We got out, taxied out toward the runway, but we didn't even make it to the runway. We stopped and we waited and we waited and we waited. <laughs> Three hours we sat there. And I don't even remember what the issue was, why we weren't moving, but finally we got out to the runway, finally took off, flew that hour and a half to Buffalo, and we began circling and circling and circling and waiting and waiting some more. So finally the pilot came over the PA system in the plane and he said, I'm sorry folks, but our, our, we have a warning indicator that tells us our landing gear is not locked the way it should be. Now, we think it's just the warning light that's bad. We think the landing gear is actually okay, but we can't be sure. We're circling around a few times to, uh, to go past the tower so they can try to get a visual to see if the landing gear is where it's supposed to be and to burn off a little more fuel, so we'll get back to you. So we waited, and then we circled. Finally, they came back and said, we're going to have to land, um, and we're going to need to do this, and this will be an emergency landing. So... That meant that there were going to be fire trucks out on the runway or clearing all the other traffic. And they told us, the only time this ever happened to me, they said, we need you to assume the, the emergency crash landing position, which means you lean overhead between your legs, going to cover your head as we're heading in for the landing. Let me tell you, the waiting that we did going in for that landing was very different atmosphere than the waiting to take off. To take off, everybody was excited. Let's just get going. Let's just get going. And coming in, I could hear cries, soft cries. I could hear a lot of silence. And I know there were a lot of other people praying, just like I was praying as we went into that landing. The world is also waiting. Waiting for the end. Waiting for the day of the Lord. And in some cases, people are waiting with anticipation and excitement. Lord, just come, take me home, I'm ready, let's take off. But for many others, the waiting is, I'm fearful. I don't know what's going to happen. 
This is scary. Peter addresses this situation. What happens? What do we do while we're waiting for the end, while we're waiting for Christ to return? We're in this passage in 2 Peter, and, you know, as we've, as we've studied this passage together, it's, it's been amazing to watch how Peter describes this, because <clears throat> we know that there's judgment coming, destruction. As Christians, we know that, but we also know there's something more. There's something that we look forward to as well. And so, in our passage today, the last part of 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells us what to do, how to live while we wait. So that's the title of our passage today, While We Wait. We're finishing up this series in 2 Peter. The series is titled, All You Need. Peter's been telling us, you have all that you need for life and godliness, all that you need to follow him. God's provided for you. And this time, he's saying, I'm giving you all that you need to know about Christ's return so that you can be ready. The second advent of Christ is what he's talking about, which is interesting that we're studying that today because next week we start Advent, which is our focus on a celebration of the first advent of Christ. So maybe that's fitting. We're talking about the second advent. We're going to go back now as we prepare for Christmas and talk about his first advent. But let me tell you, take you back to verse 10. So this is where we ended last week that gives the ba- background for what Peter's going to say in our passage today. Verse 10, we'll have it on the screen here, 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now this phrase, the day of the Lord, that Peter uses here, is a common biblical reference to really wraps up everything that has to do with the end times. It just kind of takes it all as a package and says it's, it's the day of the Lord when he's going to enact his final events. And there are some, by the way, some 1,845 references to the end times in the Old Testament, and there are the 300 plus references in the New Testament. So the Bible has a lot to say about what is to come, about the end times. We want to see this morning what Peter has to tell us. If you're not there already, please turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3, these last verses, verses 11 to 18. What should we be about while we wait for Christ's return? That's the question Peter's addressing. And our first point and principle today is how to live while you wait. How to live while you wait for his return. Now, a lot of people through the ages have had different ideas about how you prepare what you do as you're waiting for the end of the world, okay? So, for some would say, well, just build an underground bump bunker and stock up on the pork and beans, have plenty of canned goods ready. That's how you prepare. Is that it? Or do you go climb a mountain? So, you're up at the highest point, so either you're the first to go or you can watch as everything else is destroyed around you. Is that, is that do we go climb a mountain and wait there? Is that it? Or some would say, you know, just make sure you've got fire retardant pajamas on and get a radon detector in your home. Just what do we do? How do we prepare? And ironically, Peter focuses first on how we should live, not really anything about what we should do. He doesn't tell us what to stock up, stock up on. He says this is how you should live. Look at verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what we just read in verse 10, 
What kind of people ought you to be? It's about being first. And so he says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. So Peter's advice in the face of impending doom is live right. Live right. And there's two key words here. He says, your life should be holy. That doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean sinless. But it means be set apart from that sin that used to enslave you. That's exactly why Jesus came. We sang about that this morning. He's come to give us freedom, freedom from that sin that enslaved us. To be holy means to be set apart from that, living different from the world, not the old self, but the new. And Peter also says we should live godly lives, similar but a little bit different, because here he's focused on that relationship with God, not only set apart from sin, but set apart to God for living for Him that relationship with him, building on that, growing in that, set apart as a slave to God, not sin. So Peter's basically saying, since you know that everything on earth is, like we said last week, if it's all going to burn, then live for what will last. Your character, your connection, relationship with God, that's what's most important. That's what you live for. That kind of life is fireproof. So how do we wait for the day of the Lord? We focus on the Lord himself, not even just so much on the day. This is hard for a lot of people to to remember. So there's so much focus on what is that day, when is that day, the predictions about the day. Peter says it's it's not about the day as much as it is about the Lord. This is a lot in many ways what we, Beth and I, try to tell couples when they're planning to get married part of our pre-marriage counseling. Because the tendency is, and maybe you've seen this happen or maybe you, you experienced it, there's a lot that goes into the planning for that day. A lot of money spent, a lot of time in the planning. And granted, there's a lot to plan for. So you've got the invitations and the programs and the music and the flowers and the dresses and the tuxes and the food and the facilities. You've got to have all that ready. But the wedding only lasts one day, only a couple hours even. And then the invitations get thrown away and the music stops and the tuxes get returned, hopefully, and the food gets eaten and the flowers die and it's all over. So when we do the pre-marriage counseling, we say focus on the relationship. We want you to focus as much more on what's going to go on beyond that day your marriage that hopefully will last your lifetime. Prepare for the marriage, not just the wedding day. And that's what Peter is challenging us. He's prepare for an eternal, your eternal relationship with God and wait for the day of Christ's return. There's something else that we live for while we wait. And this is what else Peter says. He says, look forward. So you need to live right. Focus on your life, but then Be looking ahead, looking forward. Verse 12, as you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. This phrase has always amazed me. Is Peter saying here that we have something to do with how soon Jesus comes back? Yes, that's absolutely what he's saying. And if you tie it together with the other things Peter has said in this passage, 
He's saying that our obedience, our holiness, that holy and godly living, then can have an influence on others who then come to Christ, repent of their sin, and that speeds up his return because that's what God is waiting for, more to come to him. And so this ties into verse 9. I didn't mention this last week because I wanted to hold until we got to verse 12, but now let me take you back there. So I put on the screen here verse 9. The Lord, Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, notice what Peter says here. He is patient with you. Who is he writing to? He's not writing to the unbelievers out there who have not heard and have not responded. He's writing to the believers in the church. He says, he is patient with you, with us. God is waiting on us because we have a responsibility to take the gospel to those who need to hear it so that they will then repent, and that speeds up his return because that's what God is waiting for. We live holy and godly lives. We invite others to come to repentance, and in that way, we are preparing the way for Christ to return, and we are bringing that day closer. Extraordinary. Let me try to put it in another context. So years ago, we had some friends of ours who had this great idea. I've often thought, I, I wish I would have thought of this and done this with our kids. But they, they told their kids, you know, we're going on vacation, but there's a lot of work. There always is. You know, all that work that has to be done cleaning and preparing and packing and so on. And sometimes there's so much, you get so worn out doing all that, you need the vacation just to recover from getting ready for vacation. <laughs> so they told their kids, if you will help us with that, We'll get all this work done. We'll leave a day early for our vacation. It was genius. It was great motivation. The kids jumped right in. They cleaned their rooms, got things ready, helped get things packed up. And sure enough, they left a day early on vacation. They sped up the time frame by their obedience, by their diligence. And I think that's what Peter is telling us here. Saying as we live for Christ, as we work to accomplish His kingdom purposes here and now, we bring the day of His return even closer. As we let people know about Christ's return, we know that what we're giving them is both good news and bad news. So if you look back in the middle of verse 12, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Okay, Peter, we've got it. Now, the same thing you said in verse 10. He says it again. Fire's coming. But now he adds something else. Look at verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. And this is the beauty of the gospel message, friends. Judgment for sin is coming, yes. But that destruction, that judgment will pave the way for a new beginning. A couple weeks ago, Beth and I were visiting our kids up in Wisconsin. They were, they had just bought a house and they were getting it ready for moving into. And when they got the house, got into it, they, they discovered pulling up some carpet in the bedrooms that there were hardwood, original hardwood floors underneath. This, the house dates back to the 50s or 60s or something like that. So they'd been long been covered. And when my son said, you know, they wanted to try to pull that up and see if they could refinish the floors, I thought, oh my goodness, this is way more work than they know. It's going to be, this is crazy. But 
they wanted to do it. So we dove in. We pulled up the carpet, pulled up the old padding, and I took a picture of what it looked like after that. It was nasty. I mean, you could barely see the wood through there. It was all the wood from the glue and the, and the deteriorated padding underneath. But, oh, we're really going to get into this. So we start scraping, get out, rented a big old band sander, and I'm going around with the band sander back and forth up the wood. It, destruction had to happen. That's my point. We had to destroy what was there. But when we sanded it down, here's the next picture, that wood actually came back to life. There it was underneath all the junk. And when we put a couple coats of polyurethane on top, last picture, but um, one more picture, there they are. The life, the wood came out. Peter's saying, the destruction has to happen. Judgment has to come. This world as we know it will be sanded down. <laughs> but the point is the purpose of God is to restore it, to renew it, to recreate this world, the heavens and the earth in the way he intended it for from the beginning. That's God's plan. And he's given us his plan so we know what's coming. That's our hope. And so we're motivated to live right and we're motivated to look forward because of what God has told us is coming. The day God will make everything new for us. And by the way, it's not just a new home, a new place, new floors. It's, it's what Peter says, it's where righteousness dwells. Hold on to that phrase because that's key in what Peter is telling us. Where righteousness dwells. That the glory of heaven isn't, isn't just about the gold streets and mansions in heaven. No. The wonder and the glory of heaven is that God's righteousness will prevail. Sin will be done away with. No more temptation. No more sin. The curse of sin will be gone. All that brings us sorrow and sadness and death, it's all because of sin. He wipes that out and His righteousness prevails. That's what makes heaven heaven. The glory and the presence of God and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that covers it all. And Peter goes on to emphasize there's something else about this waiting period, something else. There is something for us to do. It's first about being and expecting, but then there is something to do. So essentially he reiterates, he's, he kind of wraps back up. It sounds a lot like what he's just said. He's reminding us again, but in a little different way. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. In other words, he's saying while you're waiting for Christ to return, work hard. There is work for us to do, Peter says, and we need to be at that work. He uses this phrase, make every effort. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago? The first chapter of 2 Peter, he used that same phrase, calling us to make every effort to live our Christian lives, to grow in our faith. The, it, the phrase communicates diligence and concentration on the task at hand. So what is it? What are we supposed to be working on? When Christ returns, what does He want to find us doing? He wants to find us working on our spiritual lives, on spiritual growth. It, this lines right up with what He said about holy and godly living in verse 11. 
This is our work, and our work should line up with the work God wants to do in our lives. There's this cooperative effort. We've talked about this many times. What God does should be what we do and focus on. That spiritual nurturing, growing, developing. It's in cooperation with Him. Kind of like this, put it in another context. I'd like to be diligent about keep, keeping our car oil changed. And I don't, but I don't do it myself, but I, I watch the little label that's up in the right-hand corner of the windshield, you know, when it's time, what's the mileage, you know, time to change the oil. And then I want to be diligent about getting the car into the mechanic to get the oil changed. Now, when I get there, he does the work. He checks all the stuff under there that, that I don't know enough about to check. But it's a cooperative effort. Now, he doesn't come out to my house and knock on the door and say, it's time for your oil change. He doesn't come show up in the driveway and do it right there. No, I have to take the car to him. He then does that work on the inside. And in some ways, I think that's what happens in our spiritual lives. So, so God wants us to make the effort to come to him, to do what only he can do, the cleansing, the forgiving, the instruction, the guidance. That's got to come from him. But we go to him for that, and we're to be diligent about that because that's how this spotlessness comes, blamelessness comes, peace with him comes. It's only as we go to him for that work to be done in us. And so if we're being diligent about that, if we're going to him for these what might be called spiritual oil changes, then we know that we are, become, we are ready for his return. Which leads to something else we must, must do as we wait. We need to think biblically. Work hard, but think biblically too. Verses 15 and 16, bear in mind, there's the thinking part, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So notice a couple things here. We know that Peter and Paul had their disagreements early in the church, right? Paul's focus was on getting the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter's focus was on the Jews. Sometimes they had these disagreements. But in the end, when Peter writes now at this point later in his life, there there was this unity of Peter and Paul and in the church. It was beautiful. And I notice too in here that Peter refers to Paul's writings as Scripture. (laughs) This confirmation that we have that Peter and the church saw what Paul, these letters Paul had written, already seeing them, referring to them as Scripture, as God's Word. So this authority is already rooted in the early church. And then I love what Peter says too. You know, some of Paul's writings are a little hard for me to understand. (laughs) And that makes me feel better. Because sometimes I don't always understand what Paul is saying. And Peter says, yeah, I struggle with that too. But he said, don't be like those who are ignorant and unstable and disregard it. This is God's word to us. You need to be diligent. You need to think biblically. Know what God has said. So this is his point here. He's saying, while we wait for Christ's return, we must continue to bear in mind that God is patiently waiting for more to come to salvation, to think biblically about what is to come. 
meaning, think about it from God's perspective. And the only way we'll get God's perspective is if we are in His Word seeing what He has to say. That's why Peter draws our attention back to this, that God is waiting for us to do our job sharing this gospel, this truth, God's truth with others. You know, we, we focused this morning, Jason led us through that prayer on the persecuted church, and as he said, I hope you'll grab one of these. If you didn't get it on the way in, take it home. If for nothing else, then to remember these prayer requests. These, by the way, come through our own missions committee here. These are not just random requests. Some of our missionary partners, so Elam, Elam Ministries is one of the mission partnerships that we have, and they sent this to us specifically to be praying for the churches in Iran, the Christians in Iran, great persecution that's happening there. And our mission partner, OM, Operation Mobilization, working in Algeria, they sent us this request that the Christians in Algeria are suffering, churches being clamped down on clothes. To, for, to do this is extremely difficult and rare in these countries, Iran and Algeria. It's a lot more for us to be thankful for just knowing that. But it makes me think when I read that, every year when we have this November focus on the per- praying for the persecuted church, I think, Lord Jesus, why don't you just come for, if for no other reason than to rescue these Christians who are suffering for their faith? So Paul's, Peter's question here, why does he wait? Because he's patient. He's patient with us. He's patient with believers who are still living out their faith as a witness so that others will come to faith. And that's what I have to think about for these suffering Christians, that even though they are suffering, what they are doing is living out their faith, and because of that, others are going to come to know Jesus in Iran, in Algeria. And our prayer should be right here too, as we live out our faith, living godly lives, living following Jesus Christ, that people in Marble Hill, Big Canoe, Bent Tree, Jasper, Pickens County, Dawson County, that they see us, these believers at Trinity Church, and they are drawn to what we live for, drawn to our Savior, so that they will come to confess their sins and know Jesus. And that's what will bring him back. So what do we do while we wait? We work hard. We think biblically. And then finally, Peter wraps up his letter with a focus for us. Where to focus while you wait? Last two verses. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Here's Peter's point, I think. Just because we're waiting for Christ's return doesn't mean that we can ignore the spiritual battle going on right here, right now. We have to pay attention. All that Peter's talked about, chapter 2, the warning about the false teachers and so on, so now he's saying to us, hey, don't forget that. Don't forget chapter 2 that I wrote. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. These believers needed to remain alert and on guard against the false teaching around them, and we need to do the same thing too. And it's one thing to be warned, like Peter writes about. It's another thing to then respond to that warning and act on it. So as an example, like this week, we we watched the news one night, and the local news weather report said, you know, it's a freeze. Cherokee County, where we live, is under a freeze warning. It was our first freeze warning. We could have just ignored that. Okay, that's good. Go to bed. Go to sleep. 
But Beth heeded that warning. She got up. She went outside because she just bought some tender little plants. They weren't even in the ground yet. They were still in their containers out on the driveway. She brought them into the garage so that they would be saved from the cold. She responded to the warning. And and Peter is saying here, don't forget these warnings I've given to you. Respond to these warnings. And so we have to ask ourselves, we've been through this over the last number of weeks. We've been hearing this. We've been reading what Peter said. Have we acted on it? Have you acted on Peter's warnings against false teaching and theological error? Have you taken a closer look at what you're reading and what you're listening to? Are you testing your own thoughts? Are you checking your own worldview to make sure it lines up with God's Word? Are you diligently studying the Word so that you can discern truth from error? This is what we're called to. This is what it means to act on Peter's warnings. And Peter understood the danger of not guarding one's heart because he says in this verse that he doesn't want these believers to fall from your secure position, he says. And it sounds at first read like maybe he's talking about losing their salvation. Is that what he means? No. No, the Bible's very clear about that. We cannot lose our salvation. The, the word here for your secure position is the same root word that Jesus used of Peter. So here again, like we've said before, the, the epistles and some of the things that Peter writes are explained by what happened to him in the Gospels. And here it's the night of Jesus' betrayal and, and his, his arrest. And you remember in the upper room, Peter is saying, you know, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. And he says, Luke 22:32, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. It's from that same root word. So essentially he's saying to him, I'm praying that you will not fall from your secure position. <laughs> and what happened? I mean, Peter did, it seems to us, he did fail. I and mean, he denied the Lord, but he repented. Jesus restored him. He didn't lose his salvation. And now Peter's remembering that, and he's using the same word he calls back, and he says to us, he says, don't fall, don't fail. And he's doing exactly what Jesus said he would do. The last part of that verse in Luke 22, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter is doing that. He's strengthening us. He's warning us. He's saying, don't fall as I fell. Guard your heart. And then last, grow your faith. Verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And the word Peter uses here means to be continually, constantly growing. Keep growing. So the word here, waiting for Christ's return, is not a time to be stagnant, to stand still, to be stunted in our faith and our growth. This is the time to grow. Some have compared the Christian life to riding a bicycle. When you get on a bicycle, you can't balance on it if you just sit there. You have to start moving. And as you're pedaling and moving forward, that's when you're balanced. And the same is true in the Christian life. We don't, we don't just sit here. We're to keep moving forward in our faith, growing in our faith. That's what we're designed for. So we got to keep moving, keep growing till Jesus returns or till he takes us home. That's our calling. And how does that spiritual growth come? Peter says it's by the grace of God at work on our lives, constantly giving us what we don't deserve. We could not do it without God's grace. 
but it's also by our own efforts to keep increasing our knowledge of Him. So growing in our knowledge, and that comes from His Word again. Coming to know Him, relying on His grace. Grace and knowledge, grace and knowledge, that's the key. And as we do that, we bring glory now to the Lord and Savior who will receive glory forever one day. Peter again is telling us that the way we live now directly affects our eternal future. So what should you focus on while you wait for Christ's return? Guard your heart and grow your faith. So Jesus Christ has given us all that we need for this life, all that we need for the life to come. Peter has given us all that we need to know to be prepared for Christ's return. It's all right here. As we circled above the Buffalo airport, I, I was nervous, but I was pre- knew I was prepared. I knew that no matter what happened on that landing, I knew where I was going to be for eternity. And that gave a settledness. And you don't often have those moments, right, where you're afraid for your life, but those are important moments, moments to just remind you of the security of your faith. And that's what it did for me. As we landed, everything was fine. The landing gear was fine. It apparently was locked. It was just the the indicator. No problems at all on the landing. But it wouldn't have mattered. I knew where I was going, and I was prepared. And that's what Peter is calling us to. He's saying, be ready. God has given you everything you need to be ready for his return. What should you focus on? should focus on the signs of his return. This is what Jesus gives us. We end with this, Luke 21. Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. All this sounds like our day. And as we said last week, we are living in the last days as the Bible describes them. I don't know when Jesus is going to come, but the signs are there, including these signs of persecution, as Jesus said would happen. So what do we do? What do we do while we wait? We live for Him. We pay diligent attention to what we are asked to do for him. And we focus most closely on him. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this promise. Thank you that we can live in this expectation of your return. And though there's a lot we don't know about the timing and all the events. But Lord, what we do know is how to be ready. We know what you've called us to do and be right here and now. So Lord, help us focus on that. Help us learn from what Peter has said. Make this the agenda of our lives so that we will be found ready when you return. And Lord, may other people see in us that such such a focus on you, such a commitment to living for you, that they will want to come into relationship with you too. And that as more people come to know you, 
the day of your return draws closer and closer. Thank you for that promise, Lord Jesus. And as we come to your table, Lord, to thank you for this, this wonderful remembrance that points us back and points us forward to remember this amazing sacrifice that you made for us on the cross so that we could have the hope of eternity with you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.